0: This podcast is sponsored by Position Green. To be an insider, you can subscribe to the Green Insider podcast, powered by eRenewable, wherever you get your podcasts from, and please leave us a five-star rating.
1: Welcome to the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast host, Mike Niemer, will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space education's important to us, because it's important to you, the listener. Now, here's Mike Niemer. Welcome
0: back to another edition of the Green Insider, powered by E Renewable. I'm your host, Ron Culver, and with me as always is Mike Niemer, CEO of E Renewable. Today, Mike is joined by co-founder and chief development officer of Synthica Energy, Grant Gibson. But before we dive into their conversation, let's hear from Mike's better half, eRenewable COO, Anne Niemer. Position Green helps companies build resilient and sustainable organizations. Position Green has a unique combination of ESG software, advisory, e-learning, and assurance that drives sustainability success and empowers positive change. Visit positiongreen.com to learn more. Thanks, Ann. Now here's Mike with co-founder and chief development officer of Syntica Energy, Grant Gibson.
1: Welcome to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by renewable. I'm Mike Niemer, and here today we're talking R&G. Uh, another developer here in Houston area in a new startup called Synthica Energy. And I have the co-founder and chief development officer, Mr. Grant Gibson. Grant, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Before we get into you telling us about your new startup, why don't you give us a little history on yourself and what led you to being involved in the startup Synthica Energy?
2: Yeah, it's a great story. Um, so went to school at higher university Uh, I actually majored in geographic information systems and how that's relevant today. I never thought in a million years that I'd actually be using mapping and geospatial analysis to site anaerobic digesters across the US. So got out of school, worked for a small company uh, consulting, and then uh, ended up as a uh, software as a service company, started one, and then had a small exit from that. Uh, And at that point in time, I really said, I don't want to work in an office anymore, and so I started dabbling around and researching and understanding what did I want to get into next. I wanted to be outside um, very much a uh, very much love the environment, care about the environment um, understood that there was a lot of waste in 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 our society today uh so I ended up actually landing on commercial composting and so through that time in Cincinnati, I actually owned and operated a, a commercial compost facility. Um, at our peak, we took in about 300 tons a day of both food waste and then other, call it industrial byproducts from food and beverage manufacturing, and then also uh, yard waste. Um, we had a really good run at that. Um, unfortunately, I had to close it down for a multitude of reasons. Um, politics played a good role in that as well. But during that time... As a commercial composter, I got introduced to uh, actually Procter and Gamble in Cincinnati, and they said, "Hey, look, you've got waste streams, organic waste streams at your site. You're composting them. We actually have a business center up the road. Um, we'd love to build a digester here, uh, and actually pipe the gas up the up the road to our business center. So you manage the feedstocks coming in the door. The dig- we'll fund it. We'll build it here." Uh, And then from there, we'll pipe the gas up the hill. Uh, We went through the entire exercise, and due to a couple of, call it wrinkles, uh, with land and a few other things, we couldn't get it done. Um, But that idea stuck in my head. Uh, And so my current, my business partner, Sam uh, Schutte, he and I had been friends for, we've been friends for 20-plus years, and we had worked for each other along the way through our careers, and we reconnected as friends in 2017, and we said, Hey, we we really just want to get together and and build something cool together cuz his mind is much different than my mind. Uh I joke and I say I'm the gas and he's the brakes. Uh and that's an a <laughs> and that's a good uh, a good thing uh for both of us. Um I'm very big picture run and gun and he's very much analytical. So it's a good balance to have. But so we reconnected as friends in 2017 and We talked about building something cool together, and I jokingly said, hey, we should build an anaerobic digester. And he's like, what's that? And I said, no, it's a terrible idea. Uh, And then that's when, really, Synthica Energy was born. Um, We started going down some, I'll call it blind alleys here and there, we got a few black eyes along the way as far as understanding the market as it was back in 2018. But we really started to shape the company back then, Um, I picked up the phone and called some of my former customers, P&G being one of them, and said, hey, look, I'm thinking about getting back into this and building an anaerobic digester. I know there was a lot of interest. Would you be interested in in potentially uh, kind of working alongside us and and fostering the the build of this company? And they said, absolutely, because we, we have waste streams in the greater Cincinnati market that we could send you. And so they uh they've been a, they've been a great advocate for us uh, and really stood along our side throughout, call it from 2018, early 2018, all the way up through uh, when we actually raised the initial seed money to get permitting and engineering completed for Cincinnati, our first facility that's under construction right now. Um, and then fast forward through 2020, uh, a pandemic, a global pandemic, and then crazy hyperinflation. Uh, the next thing you know, we're closing a transaction with Goldman Sachs to really scale the business. Um, so, a lot of backstory there. But again, uh, it's an interesting one because we it really just started from an idea of the, the
1: two things that Sam and I had. Well, you know, uh, first, congratulations. Thank Good you. story. It's important for the listeners to hear the backstory as we uh, always try to educate our listeners on different parts of the marketplace. And this one today being with you and the anaerobic digesters and renewable natural gas. Part of the story also is how long it took to get from A to B to C to D. There's so many steps in between there. Here you're dealing with Procter & Gamble. I mean, you've got a behemoth on the line first try, right? Yes. So you're already ahead of most people that are starting out in the R&G space. But there's still – it's not like when you're doing a natural gas or oil deal where it's bim, bam, boom, and you're done, Right. This is a process, right? To tell Educate the listeners on how painful some of that process is along the way and how you have to stomach it to be able to get to the end game, which is now you're building your plant with Procter & Gamble.
2: Yeah, so it, one of the major components of an anaerobic digester um, is an interconnect. So when you produce the renewable natural gas, you have to, be able to inject that renewable natural gas into whether it's a a, a local utilities pipes or even a pipeline company's pipes. So in order to do that, you have to apply for an interconnect. Um, And so what Sam and I were doing back in uh, 2019, uh, we first submitted our our interconnect application to Duke Energy in Cincinnati because they're the local utility that have the gas lines uh, next to our site and Duke Energy looked at it and said, "Hey, this is great. We want to see this project happen, but we've never done anything like this in our footprint in Ohio. This is going to take some time to figure out." And so, we submitted in September of 2019, and we didn't received our uh, we didn't receive our draft interconnect agreement from Duke Energy until the summer of 21. So, we're talking almost two full years of going, working alongside Duke Energy, because again, like I said, they had never done anything like this. It received renewable natural gas from an anaerobic digester that was going to receive, that was planned, projected to receive industrial byproducts from food and beverage waste, uh, food and beverage manufacturers. So that was one that took a long time, but then it also allowed us to really. Compress the timelines in other markets. So we already knew what we needed to go and say to, for example, in San Antonio, whether it's CPS Energy or Kinder Morgan or any of the other utilities or pipeline companies that we work with. That allowed us that learning process with Duke Energy allowed us to
1: really move quickly in the other markets. Um, Let me stop you right there for a second. So when Procter & Gamble is giving you their waste products that you're going to put through the digester, you're not giving the get back gas back to Procter & Gamble to use. You're actually putting it into a pipeline, correct?
2: Yeah, so we, we inject that gas into the pipeline. Um, there are opportunities for customers that supply us with waste that we can sell that gas back to that, that waste supplier. Um, there's like two different ways that you can do it. You can either bundle the physical gas, so what we call the brown gas, And then we can also bundle that with the environmental attributes that are generated from the renewable natural gas production. Or a customer can be solely an off-taker of the environmental attributes. So whether it's a Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati or if it's a a company in another state, maybe it's in uh, Georgia or Tennessee or someplace uh, outside of Cincinnati, there is the ability for a company outside of that. Uh, outside of that Cincinnati region, to be the off taker of those environmental attributes. So again, some people call them environmental attributes; other call them th- other folks call them thermal credits. Uh, but there are multiple ways uh, for customers to be an off- uh, somebody to be an off taker of whether it's the physical gas or the environmental attributes.
1: So our listeners are going to know about the RECs that we've talked about in the market, the renewable energy credits. They're going to know about carbon credits that we've had in. We've had responsibly sourced gas those credits, all those are environmental attributes. And so uh, your system, what you're doing with Procter & Gamble's product, put it in the pipeline, you're able to sell those environmental attributes to anybody that may want to buy them, correct? Correct. They don't have to physically take the gas. They can just have the attribute. Correct, yes. So, And when we've talked about PPAs in the marketplace – We've then also talked about virtual PPAs, similar situation, right? Yes, okay. exactly. So I just wanted, you to add that. When you said that, I want to make sure we get that in so the listeners can follow what we've been talking about for the last three years.
2: Absolutely. Yes. The other thing to add to that is uh, the fact that not only is, is, for example, in Cincinnati, P&G is a customer, but also we have a a number of other customers. So if you look at our Cincinnati facility, uh, we have approximately twenty or so uh, contracts with food and beverage manufacturers or other manufacturers that have an organic waste stream. So it's not just dependent one hundred percent on Procter and Gamble, but there are other. There's nineteen, twenty other customers that we have contracts with that say, "Hey, we're going to bring you X amount of tons of organic waste per year." So then that way you can feed uh, the digester.
1: What's your projected uh, output from that digester?
2: Yeah. So, and I'll. I'll Answer that one in a second. So when we think about the inbound waste, so, for example, in Cincinnati, our design capacity is 200,000 tons a year. Uh, That will produce approximately 300,000 MCF of renewable natural gas. On an annualized basis. Correct. Yeah, Yeah, on an annualized basis. So it's going to be pretty large. It is. It'll be the largest in the state of Ohio as far as just purely focused on... Uh, organic waste and so we do not take or receive or process treated sewage uh, and we don't take manure so whether it's cattle or swine we don't do either of those so uh, it 100 focused on an uh, organic waste from food and beverage manufacturers
1: well it, you know on our shows we've also talked about the carbon intensity of the feedstock your uh your organic waste that you're using what carbon intensity range do you expect that to come in at
2: Yeah, so there's a couple different, um, basically, ways that you can go about that for an anaerobic digester or digesters like we're building. Uh, If we were to send our gas to uh, the low-carbon fuel market in California, we would go more towards that carb-greet modeling, where we'll probably land—and we're working through that right now with a consultant—we'll probably land maybe in the negative—call it negative 10 to negative 20. So nothing like a, a, a dairy digestion project, CI score-wise. But then you also have the European standard, which is ISCC. Uh, we'll probably actually be slightly positive uh, with ISCC. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's just where we're at when it comes to the modeling. There's different ways that we can work towards reducing both whether we use, and we're doing both, carb greet modeling or ISCC, to where we'll actually be able to Let's say, for example, capture all of the CO2 off of our gas upgrading equipment, and we're looking at that right now. So if we capture all of the CO2 that's removed off the raw biomethane, we can actually drive our CI score way down.
1: Oh, that's a beautiful thing. So so uh, where do you see yourself as you're coming into 24? We know you're working on Cincinnati. Where do you see yourself taking the company in the next year and then three years from now? What are your kind of growth projections that you're hoping for?
2: Yeah, so right now we're actually, uh, we've got permits in hand for Houston. Uh, We actually have, uh, we're waiting on a final permit for San Antonio. Um, And then we're also uh, working in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Lebanon Junction, Kentucky, which is about 30 minutes south of Louisville. And then Norco, Louisiana, which is what thirty minutes, just about thirty minutes west of New Orleans. So, we we've got five or five or six projects right now, with one under construction. Uh, those other five that I mentioned, uh, we do plan on to break ground uh, at a number of them uh, early to mid next year. Uh, to where, who knows? In the next three to four years, we could have four or five built and operating to where then we'll have another three or four under construction right behind that, because we also have a market development team that's working in other markets, um, working through whether it's permitting, finding land, going through that process. So we've got we've got a lot of work to do.
1: Well, um, sounds like you're on the right track, but it's not like it was a fast track, was it?
2: Not from 2018 exactly. to 2022. <laughs> no, yeah. not by any means, but... We learned a lot and we really feel like we shaped the model the way it should be because we, we visited, Sam and I visited a lot of digesters in multiple markets and we picked, in, we picked a different parts of what we thought looked successful. And when we looked at the economics of, uh, we picked different parts of the process from a digester in Charlotte. Uh, we went to one in Pennsylvania. I mean, we went to one in Salt Lake City. We went to a number of digesters and said, we think this really works here. And we think this could work here. And so we, I joke, and I say, we're really, we're really good puzzle masters to where we take all of these complicated pieces of this puzzle, and we slowly put them together. And now that we had put that, I'll call it, we haven't completed the puzzle, but it's getting close to where now we're able to look in other markets and as i mentioned earlier really compress that timeline to where we can build these facilities pretty quick site and build these facilities pretty quick so
1: well congratulations anything else you want to leave us with you painted a perfect picture as to the direction you're taking the company congratulations i mean it sounds like you guys are right on track now once you got through that first big hurdle Everything else becomes easy after that, kind of, doesn't it, Compar- comparatively speaking?
2: Yeah, I'd say easier, but not easy, right? Right, right. <laughs> But no, I appreciate you having me on, and, and
1: thanks for the time. Well, Grant, it's been my pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Grant Gibson, co-founder and chief development officer of Synthica Energy. I'm Mike Niemer. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Green Insider, Powered by Renewable.
0: Thanks again to Grant Gibson for being a part of The Green Insider podcast. And thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Ron Culver, reminding you that if you are not yet a subscriber to the Green Insider Podcast, don't hesitate and become one today from wherever you receive your podcasts. And please, leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was sponsored by Position Green. For an introduction to our sponsor or find out how you too could be a sponsor, refer to our show notes to contact Renewable and the Green Insider Podcast.